Blog Talk Radio. Facebook page, but uh, this will be our fall 
global webinar from CDC headquarters in Atlanta and, and partnership with CDC and USDA, um, all about biosecurity and the importance of that uh, in our backyard flock. So that's coming up on Thursday, the 11th. But, yeah, I'll be touring um, again at Noonan on the 9th, Noonan, Georgia, Jonesboro, Georgia on the 10th, and Ball Ground, Georgia on the 11th. All those are, I think, a 6 to 6.30 start time. And as soon as that's up on my website, I'll share that over on our Facebook page. So we've got that going on. And then, of course, the following week, the next week, I've got four events. I've got one in Tennessee. I know it's a big state. I just don't remember the city yet, uh, but we'll get that up for you as well. One in Tennessee and three actually in South Carolina. So a little southeastern tour going on here. And then I've got three, two or three, four events in Florida as we head down there. And we've got three or four, I think, maybe more in the uh, in the Florida area. I don't think that's going to be until the last week in September, maybe the first few days of October, um, and that will be down in Florida. So we're going to try to make up some events that we missed when my father passed away in uh, February. So uh, we're looking forward to getting down to Florida and having some events down there. So that's the Chicken Whisperer Tours coming up here very soon. Also, uh, I finished a goal or a first step in the uh, second edition and revision of my first book. It's been out five years coming up in September next month, five years out, co-authored with a poultry scientist and professor, Dr. McCray, because even back then, I wanted to make sure all the information in the book was accurate So, um, versus hearsay or rumors or myths or, hey, it worked for me, it'll work for you. So, um, so yeah, so brought her on and... Um, I think it's a great book, but we're taking some things out, putting some things in, not a whole lot, um, and we're adding a chapter, a whole chapter on uh, biosecurity. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I have basically done, all, I think, all the changes in the current book except for adding the chapter. I'll review it again when those changes, uh, final changes get sent back to me. Um, but uh, then we'll just add the chapter, and I think that'll be done. But I don't think it's a long process. I don't think it'll actually be available in, in print, the second edition, until uh, actually late spring of next year. But uh, soon I'm going to have to start pumping away on our new book. Uh, it's a Fact or Chicken Poop book. It's based on our website, um, factorchickenpoop.com. And I'm really excited about that book, but it's 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 got a, uh, a a release date I think of spring of 2018, so I'll be busy with that here uh, very soon as well. And uh, and it's going to be kind of like the website factorchickenpoop.com, where we take a statement that we found on blogs, forums, wherever, uh, TV shows, and uh, and then we're going to take that statement, we send it to true experts in their field. And then they not only uh, – we're not spending millions of dollars doing the research to to prove they don't work. Do is They will do the research um, and try to find if there are any uh, reliable studies that prove the statement works. If not, there's no proof that, that that actually works. not saying it doesn't work. There's just no proof that it does work. But then uh, – we, we don't do this on the website, but for the book. And then after that, they were going to offer – uh, information that has been proven, whether it be treating mites or lice or bumblefoot or worming or whatever the case may be. So you, you won't just have that statement and then, hey, someone's saying, uh, no, this is uh, not accurate, but there's no proof that says that's, that proves that. But then they'll offer actually proven techniques and recommended techniques by poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, poultry professors, uh, to treat whatever we're actually talking about that statement. So I'm really looking forward to that book, and that looks like it'll be released spring of 2018. So I'm very excited uh, about that. Um, just signed up for another two years with Kalmbach Beads. Excited about that uh, relationship. So that'll get me through um next couple of years with Kalmbach. Very excited. We do a lot of touring with them, and we got a lot of exciting things coming up next year. Uh, some videos that we're going to be look, uh, working on and really doing a lot to help uh, the stores and the staff at the stores that sell the great Kalmbach products. Because I know sometimes for the consumer, that's a weak link. You may go in, they may have the great quality Kalmbach deed. You talk to somebody, and, and it's hit or miss. You might get somebody that's very knowledgeable with backyard poultry, and then somebody else may be very knowledgeable on uh, cattle, horses, 
but maybe not poultry. So my whole goal with this in the next couple of years is to really try to um, help the Kalmbach dealers and their employees uh, to have the information or have access to information, have tools, uh, get some training information, uh, and cover kind of the most uh, common questions that their customer asks about backyard poultry so they can help their customers get the right information. I think that's a weak link. We all agree with that, especially when you go into the farm stores that are big box stores, and it's hard to find anybody to help you to begin with, but then they just are, are clueless or make something up. So we really want to, that's one of my goals the next couple of years with Kalmbach is to get a training program uh, for their dealers that they can participate in. Uh, so when they're maybe taking a break, 15 or 15 minute break out back in the break room, um, or maybe first uh, part of their shift or last part of their shift, uh, they can sit down and watch a DVD and get some training on uh, backyard poultry that they can share with their customers. So I think that's going to be a huge asset uh, for the Kalmbach feed uh, dealers. So I'm really looking at a lot, a lot of exciting things going on next couple of years with uh, with Kalmbach. So uh, that's awesome. So wanted to share that with you. I don't think there's any other announcements. Oh, this coming Thursday, I've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. She'll be on the show 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the topic this Thursday is um, things that can make your chickens sick. I guess all things, uh, whether it be spoiled food or certain types of insects, certain types of plants, moldy food. Or, uh, you know, it's just, that's the title that uh, we've come up with for this Thursday, 2 p.m. Things that can make your chickens sick. So uh, that, that could be a whole gamut of different things. And uh, those of you who have made the statement out of your mouth, oh, chickens are smart. They, they, know, they know what's good or bad for them uh, before they eat it. You've obviously never been to a poultry diagnostic lab when they're doing knee prophecies to see what they pull out of the chicken. Screws, nuts, styrofoam, nails, earrings, <laughs> bolts, nuts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Not, not. So that, I'm really excited about that show this Thursday, so you don't want to miss that. That'll be 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to go to our first commercial break. We only take two during the show, less than FM radio, less than AM radio, and less than TV. So, but we got to get our commercials done uh, for uh, our awesome sponsors that make this show possible. So we'll go and do that, get that pen and paper out, because when I return, I'm going to bring on Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, and we're going to talk all about fly control on the farm. That's today's show on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Give the Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. 
Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with a Chicken Whisperer brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. Um, so yeah, today we are going to be talking about fly control on the farm with our good friend Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Check out his website, firststatevetsupply.com. If they don't have it, you don't need it, my friends. www.firststatevetsupply.com. Dot com from vaccinations to uh wow supplements to waterers to the sweeter heater to um got you, you name it they they've got it pinless peepers the tool that you need to put the pinless peepers on um scene how cool is that uh, they've got it so give them a call no need to go anywhere else um so fly control, you know, it's it's interesting traveling around the country, seeing a lot of coops, even you know having my own coops, uh, different seasons, different areas. Um, it's interesting to see, uh, and then seeing some of the comments on on uh, some of the forums about fly control and flies are driving them crazy. I've noticed that a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason. Um, even in my own backyard uh, with coops, I've noticed some years I don't have a fly prop at all non-existent for the most part. Uh, and then the next year, I'll, you know, I'm like, oh, God, what do I, I need to get rid of some of these flies, hang the little fly traps, whatever I need to do. Um, thank goodness I haven't had many of those years at all. Uh, I've been, I think, fortunate. But but I look and I'm like, what did I do different this year? What's different this year? Look around. It's, it's the same thing I've done in the last 10 years. Uh, but this year, for some reason, the, the flies are a little worse. Uh, or I've got a fly, fly problem this year. I'll look at uh, coops I've, I've been on tour with and seen and absolutely <laughs> magazine cover perfect and they're inundated with flies uh, and then you'll see some and you're like yeah I see why you have a fly problem and you're surprised so <laughs> so it's like okay uh, I think I know why you have a fly problem but but some are not so obvious and some it's like golly beautiful magazine cover coop and run and bedding and all this stuff and you got a fly problem i just i don't understand it so it, it can affect anybody uh at any time regardless it seems like if it's pristine or if it's just this pigsty i've seen it all and sometimes there's no rhyme or reason you can't really hunt down and try to find it and then you hear all these solutions um, online, some work, some don't, some work for you, some won't work for you, some work for others, some won't work. It's just like uh, a lot of the uh, uh, other suggestions, you know, it work for me to work for you. Not necessarily true. Try it, but it may not work. So um, same goes, I think, with, with the fly issue. Some people want to do it all naturally. Some people just, I hate these things, I'll do anything. Send me a nuclear bomb. And I will get rid of these flies. So, um, you know, we're releasing it all. And you may experience that at home as well. So we've got Peter Brown, the chicken doctor. He's going to be here right now, bringing him live now, to uh, talk to us about this and uh, give us some rhyme or reason. And if you were um, have a fly problem now, this year, last year you had one, this year you don't, you'll be prepared in the future if you ever have this uh, issue. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's... Uh, hot to say the least and it has been the last few weeks here in in, uh, in Georgia so um I I'm ready for fall it's funny and then in the winter we'll be like is it so cool? we'll be summertime
summertime. In the summer, we're complaining because it's hot, and we wish it was winter. So it's just uh, it's the way uh, the world turns. But, man, it has been hot lately. And I know if people are listening to the show. I see the numbers go up about the show you've done uh, as well, keeping uh, dealing with summer heat and, and the chickens. So hopefully all of our listeners are providing cool, fresh water on a regular basis for their flocks uh, this season. And then we got flooding, I think, in West Virginia. you got droughts. A lot of farmers are dealing with droughts. It's um, it's uh, an, another year here in America. You're, we're going to hear it all, and everybody's going to deal with stuff. So, um, but some people out there, Peter, are, and I hope you're doing well, are dealing with a fly issue right now in the hot of the summer, and it's not fun. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. I listened to to your to your intro there, and and uh, um, I think the, one of the things to take away from that, irregardless of of uh, the conditions of the of the place, like you say, we've we've all seen and or been to. Uh, the ones that are pristine all the way down to the ones that are pigsties. And um, the, the flies come from somewhere. Um, so <clears throat> a scenario for, uh, there's no sense talking about the pigsty. We all know where that came from. But the, the one that keeps the area pristine, they may not be coming directly from the coop itself. Um, mm-hmm. So in, in that particular case, if they're having uh, issues with flies, uh, you need to to root out the source, and uh, I'll tell you, in in you know this movement to you know more natural, uh, uh, if you will, organic. Uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, type of a situation, more than likely is coming from their compost pile. Um, mm-hmm. If if they have one, if they don't have one, maybe coming from the neighbors. Uh, you know, it just, the 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 flies are going to go where where there's where there's food, where there's a place to. Uh, uh, to um, uh, lay their eggs and, and that kind of thing, and, and they, they're not going to, um, you know, just pick out the the, the pigsty. They're going to go to the pigsty first, probably because it's easy, uh, and then they they migrate over to the, uh, you know, to the uh, the, the, the pristine place, uh, the the one that's uh, doing all the due diligence as far as the coop and stuff is concerned. But they have to have a starting place, and their starting place is a place. To, to lay their eggs uh, and proliferate. That's what they do. And uh, it doesn't uh, take very long. Uh, within 24 to 48 hours of a fly laying uh, numerous uh, hundreds of, of eggs and even thousands of eggs, uh, they start to hatch. And um, you talk, you know, take, talk go ahead. Reminds me, we, we every year we try to get back down to our homestead uh, the Saturday after the 4th of July. Our neighbor, have, I think this was like 37th annual barbecue, and he, he does it all. He still puts it forward. A whole, and I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. He'll have 200 people there. It started as a family reunion. Now it's family reunion and friends. And, um, and I'm not exaggerating. I've posted pictures on my Facebook before. There'll be maybe seven or eight eight-foot tables, folding tables, full of food. Everybody brings a side dish. They provide a barbecue and the barbecue. And it's 50 feet of nothing but tables covered in food. And I kid you not, if you're standing there talking with somebody, before the food gets there, um, there, there you can't see a fly in sight. And I am not kidding you. As seems the there. There will be 4,000 of these black flies flying around trying to get that free barbecue or that bread or that uh, pound cake or that pie. And you're like, literally 10 minutes ago, <laughs> there was not a single fly. Now we have 57 feet of good southern food, and there's 4,000. Where did the, where, where were they five minutes ago? So uh, you're right. They will find <laughs> And they will come from <laughs> in a five-minute time period. And, and, and it, so when you were talking about that, saying that hey, they will come from it, from nowhere and they'll come there fast, and it just immediately because it happened just you know what um, less than a month ago, I was noticing in that same thing when I was standing right here talking with somebody next to this barren table, and then five minutes later it's covered in food and there's four thousand flies flying everywhere. Where, where, where were these things five minutes ago? So yeah, they'll. <laughs> I don't think how they're made what kind of sensors they have, but they will come from all over the south side of Georgia to get to this barbecue every year. <laughs> In actuality, they, they, you know, there, there are many, uh, you know, different um, uh, places that they're going to come from and people, you know, we don't generally think about them, you know, uh, um, flies for a lot of people, um, in their in their own mind, it's, it's somebody else's problem. You know, we, you know, if you're, you're keeping your, your property up, up to snuff for the most part, um, you know, where can they, where can they come from? Um, 
you know, we've had issues with, with flies ourselves. And, um, uh, you know, you have to take a, a look at what you're contributing to uh, the attracting of the flies. And, uh, you know, most of us don't think of it in, in a lot of different terms. I'll give you an example. Uh, um, people all the time, you know, they take uh, either broken eggs or eggs that uh, uh, they didn't want for whatever reason, and they'll, they'll throw them on the compost pile. Great place for the flies to come in and start you know, laying eggs and, and stuff, you're giving them food. Uh, you're giving them that place that they want. They want that that moist, warm place that uh, they can lay their eggs in and the eggs can develop in, into uh, into adult flies. Um, so you're, you're giving it to them uh, in lots of cases, uh, you know, in the... Uh, uh, you know, in the compost pile, your neighbor in his compost pile, uh, your neighbor who, who, um, you know, who takes his his uh, grass clippings and piles them up along the side of the fence. You can't see it from your side, but he, it's you know, it's in his backyard, but it's kind of maybe on your side yard, and um, you know, it, that's where it starts. And you know, uh, you know, I had a neighbor years ago that that used to do that. We had no fence, but right on on the. Uh, on the one side of my property, he'd cut his lawn and pile up the, all, the, all the stuff there until I, you know, made us think about it. And then uh, we weren't friends anymore. We weren't really friends beforehand, but we were less of friends afterward, and that's fine with me. But um, so you have to seek out the source and eliminate the the uh, the uh, uh, the source of food and or comfort that you're maybe inadvertently giving to the uh, to the flies. And um, I see, I do see so many times where. Uh, people will just go outside and, and throw uh, scratch on the ground or throw food scraps on the ground after dinner. Just They'll put it in a bowl while they're washing dishes or scraping plates, go out and just dump it in the ground. And um, mm-hmm. I try to describe that so much when I'm doing my presentations. I'm like, you know, at least put it in an old, you know, a tin pie pan or something that you can throw away or just kind of keep it for that purpose so you can pick it back up because I, I, I don't care how good – they are not going to get it all, and they will step in it. It'll be bare. And then, not only for flies, but now you've got a rodent problem because you're just throwing scratch into the ground onto the dirt and, mm-hmm. mud and yep. other food scraps. So I always talk about, hey, any of this stuff, um, be uh, preferably in some type of a contained pie pan, for example, cheap, you know, and then uh, uh, and then you can take it away. Um, and so it's just not you're just not just scattering it out there. You're asking for so many different things other than flies, but rodents as well. So yeah, great point there, Peter. Yeah, you know, and you know, even ourselves, you know, we had to to address a, a number of issues that we didn't even think about ourselves. You know, you go about your daily life. You know, the chickens are happy; they're all running around. Everybody's alive and well, and uh, they're eating and drinking and everything else. But uh, you know, we we identified a couple of sources of of you know things that we were contributing to, not even thinking about just because you're uh, off in Never Never Land not thinking about it, and then one day all the flies show up and say, where the hell they come from? You know, keep this place pretty clean here. You know, where are they coming from? Well, you know, we have four cats that live in the in the same uh, run and, and on the opposite end of the of the, of the chicken coop, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a litter box. And so that attracts flies if you don't keep up with it. And you know we've so we've had to do a little bit better job of taking care of of, of that issue, um, and um, you know we have uh, chickens that like to get in the feed bowl, and um, because of our situation and managing uh, a small flock of predominantly roosters at this point, um, you, you know we found that using a regular feeder for the mouth side is not necessarily uh, that good, but we, we use a fairly decent sized uh, bowl. It's not huge, but we have bantams, by the way, so you know it doesn't take much to get them in the bowl. And there's always one that's got to stand in the middle of the bowl and eat, always. And uh, so that feed laying on the ground attracts flies. It's food, and it's food for them. And um, you know, being on the ground, uh, and if you're not out there, you know, within minutes of it being dumped on the ground for whatever reason, however small amount it might be, too, it doesn't have to be. And then. You know, here in the last few weeks, the rain has been nonstop every afternoon. Um, you know, the morning starts out halfway decent, but by the time 5 o'clock comes around, the thunderstorms roll in and dump two or three inches of rain. Um, you know, last night, uh, to give you an example, west of us, uh, it looked like it was going to dump it all over us, but it didn't. went out to Ocean City and dumped hail all over the place out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last weekend we had, uh, not too far from us, probably maybe oh, 80 miles or so, uh, uh, on the other side of the bay here in, in uh, uh, 
was Elkton, Maryland, that, that dumped you know like seven or eight inches of, of of rain there and caused all kinds of flash flooding and damage that we've not seen here in a long time. So you know you add the the water on top of the of the wet feed on the ground now and some droppings mixed in with that and that's one great environment to uh, to bring the flies in and they'll come just like you said it's almost like they have uh ESP or something and they, you know they come they come right to it and and they come in droves it's not just one or two they come in droves so you know keeping those kind of things cleaned up uh, denies them uh, an, an area to set up shop and, and start making a mess out of your place. Um, you know, one of the other things that I've learned over the years, too, you know, uh, fly specks, you know, they, they uh, leave these little specks on, on the wall and everything else, but in that is an attractant for other flies. So cleaning that off of the walls, um, you know, and getting the walls clean, um, you know, goes a, a long way into deterring those flies from showing up on your property. I mean, technically, you know, you're going to get flies. You got chickens. You got animals of any kind—cats, dogs, whatever. Uh, you're you're going to get flies, but managing them down to a a reasonable, manageable level so that they don't take over the place uh, makes all the difference in the world. And um, you know, they they uh, they breed like crazy, and so it doesn't take long. I mean, if you look at the mere fact, depending on what literature you read. Uh, and we're talking basically here about the most common of, of flies, which is the common house fly, and it, it is the most common fly uh, found even on commercial poultry farms. Okay, so uh, this, this is a worldwide uh, problem with this particular flies. There are other types of flies, uh, which you know are, are um, uh, not in, in as great an abundance uh, around uh, uh, chickens and, and that kind of thing uh, as uh, as are the common house fly. So. Uh, it's it's anywhere and everywhere, and uh, you know, with it uh, having the potential to put out uh, one fly, putting out uh, you know as many as a thousand or more uh, eggs, uh, that's a lot from just one. And um, so uh, you know, when you see this kind of thing going on, it, it doesn't take long before they they uh, they start taking over. And um, you know, there was a time one year here where we did have it pretty pretty bad, even after you know doing some due diligence, cleaning up-wise and everything else. The the place to attack the fly is not necessarily as an adult. That's probably the hardest way to, to get rid of them because you've, then you've got to coax them into either being sprayed easily, uh, which a lot of people don't like. Uh, then you've got to uh, you know coax them into uh, traps uh, uh, and, and other methods. You know, uh, it's... It's just a lot easier to get them before they get going, and don't allow them and deny them the the uh, the, the space on your property as best you can. And uh, yeah, we've been fortunate to to do that. We still have flies. Uh, anybody that's got chickens got flies to to some degree, and you know they can be annoying. But we've we've learned ourselves, uh, you know, to to do the best we can to control it. You, I can't control what goes on in my neighbor's yard, especially uh, uh, you know. Uh, one neighbor that we've got there, this house has uh, been taken back by the bank last year, and they got a squatter in there, and I'll tell you, it's been a nightmare. Um, I feel for anybody that's had to live next to that because we are and uh, don't like it one bit, and you can't get anybody in the county to do anything. Nothing. Nothing. It just, you know, I, I called the health department because that's who would control it. They were burning trash in the backyard big time. I mean, like a bonfire, like they were roasting marshmallows, okay? And, um, you know, that stuff all attracts flies. You know, it sits there until they get around to, to burning it. And I'm not talking about, you know, putting two bags of trash out and burning it. I'm talking about something, you know, that's, uh, you know, eight or ten feet wide uh, and square and maybe three or four feet tall. And, uh, you know, burning it. And so I called the health department, you know, you know this, this is classic governmental answer. Well, do they burn it between nine and five? No, you moron. They burn it at, late at night when you're not around. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's uh, mm-hmm. so these are the things that you have to deal with, you know, neighbor-wise and everything. You can't, I can't control that over there, no matter how hard I try or whatever I want to do about it. Um, you know, until some, until the bank that owns it, which is M&T Bank, makes them get out. And uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a. It's a tough situation. All the years I've lived in that in that area, never had this kind of a situation. But it is what it is. So you can't control what your neighbor does, but you can control what you do. And the best thing you can do is to uh, 
you know, to, to clean up your uh, manure daily. Uh, maybe if you've got a lot of birds, maybe more than once a day. Uh, keep it as dry as possible. Um, and that may, you know, take putting down some, uh, um, some limestone. Uh, you can use regular limestone to help uh, dry up the ground. Uh, the, the, the normal garden variety, if you're looking to do more than you need hydrated lime, uh, the issue with hydrated lime is it can be caustic, and um, uh, letting the birds stand on it may, may burn their feet. Now, I have heard that somebody is making one that uh, they claim won't burn their feet, but I'd, I'd be, still be cautious of it no matter what. But those are some methods you can use to, to dry up the ground because the moisture is going to bring them irregardless um, of, of whether or not there's food there. The food they're going to find is your chicken food uh, and anything that your birds have spilled anywhere on, on your, your run, property, or otherwise. Uh, grass clippings uh, piled up, uh, your, your um, um, compost pile, uh, any of these kinds of things, fecal matter from, from any animal that, uh, that you have, uh, God only knows people that raise horses and have horses know that, uh, you know, uh, fecal matter from horses will draw flies in a heartbeat. And uh, they usually have a huge, huge pile outside uh, of manure that has built up manure and bedding and stuff, and, and that attracts the flies to come and lay their eggs and and uh, and start the cycle all over again. The commercial poultry industry for years and years and years, and I, and I haven't checked on it lately, I uh, don't really have much need to, but they've always used what's called a feed-through larvicide. And uh, the product at the time was called Larvidex, and they just put it in the feed, feed it to the chickens, and that would uh, uh, come through in the droppings and stop the uh, the cycle um, with the eggs being uh, in, in, the, uh, in the manure. And... Um, and that didn't always work either, because if the place was was sloppy and you had a, you, a lot of these uh, modern chicken houses have pits underneath each chicken uh, coop, and if that wasn't managed properly and you had a lot of you know uh, leaking water from water cups and nipples and that kind of stuff, uh, uh, you still could end up with a significant problem. You know, it's all about management. We've talked about so many different things, but everything uh, that we have always talked about really comes back to management. Uh, how you manage. Uh, the manure on your property, how you manage those birds and how well you keep it cleaned up and, and do the best you can. And then, uh, you know, try to get them in the, in the, uh, in the larva stage and kill them off there before they get going. I mean, even a, even a trash can, even a trash can, even if it's empty, uh, the residue that's left over from trash that was in the trash can, uh, has a tendency to, to draw flies to it as well. And, uh, so all of those kinds of things, and you know, why do we do this? Number one, they're annoying as all get out, as you well know. And uh, the the other thing is because they're just plain nasty. I mean, uh, you know, the the last thing I think I would want is to have a fly that's just been on some fresh chicken manure that uh, ends up being on my hamburger that I'm trying to grill on the grill. I don't think that's uh, something I would really want. But we do it because because. Go ahead. I remember watching something. It was a um, National Geographic or something on Discovery a long time ago where it was all about the fly. And it, it literally stated, so I'll never forget this, that every time it, say, lands on your bread or whatever it's landing on, um, it, actually, <laughs> it, it actually regurgitates. That's correct. It eats whatever it eats. I've already said that out, but um, but yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But um, and, and it could talk about annoying. Uh, try to sleep late on a Saturday morning with a fly in your bedroom. Just try it. Yes. See how well that works, right? <laughs> on your nose, your eyebrow, and your ear, and then buzzing, you know, doing a flyby by your ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you, they they can be annoying, but we also do it, don't like them because they are known, uh, uh, you know, to spread many many different diseases, uh, from uh, you know dysentery to gastroenteritis, TB, E. coli, uh, you know, Campylobacter. We know for a fact now that uh, they are involved in avian influenza, um, and they do it by by a number of of means. They do it by defecating on things. Uh, they, they can spread disease that way. They also do it by vomiting or regurgitating, uh, as you stated. Um, they do it by um, 
you know, when they're when they're regurgitating this stuff, if you've ever really watched a fly, they take those two front uh, legs or whatever, and and they're all over their mouth and stuff. So even if they don't regurgitate on anything that you uh, that they lay uh, land on that it, that is yours, your your bread, your 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 pie or uh, ice cream or whatever it is, uh, they're leaving behind whatever. Uh, after having touched their mouth uh, wherever they've been or whatever pile of manure or compost they were on prior to. Um, so it's uh, from the fecal matter to the vomit to the mouth parts to the hairs on their legs and everything else are all methods of transmission of of uh, a possible disease entity or just plain nastiness to, to whatever they uh, they lay on. And um, with the advent hey, of the... Yeah, go ahead. You're totally off, but, but I was, I was, um, um, I don't know, I was sitting in somebody else. Do you know, to, well, we've covered this before, but we're talking about this disease and the flies, it reminded me of it. Um, off the top of your head, and if not, you can get to me later, um, what type cockroach carries the eye worm? Because I, I know cockroaches are certain variety of cockroach causes eyeworm in chickens if they eat them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's called, it's called this Suriname, S-U-R-I-N-A-M-E, cockroach. Suriname, okay, got it. I knew there was a, the, a, a type of cockroach that was, um, uh, you know, because I was dealing with that with the, uh, oh, chickens, all-natural diet is bugs out in the yard. I'm not arguing that, but that, that can mm-hmm. be, you know, the... Bugs they're getting out of the yard can contribute to internal parasites. Now there's this breed of roach that causes the eye worm. We've talked about it extensively. And it's, um, I think I was telling somebody about how there's many um, backyard chicken entities, the, the bloggers and, and others, that just paint this beautiful picture of backyard poultry. They, they post nothing negative, nothing at all. And they're <laughs> On, like this is the cat's meow, and, and believe me, no one's promoted backyard poultry on the planet more than me over the last decade. But I'm just, you know, sure. you know my page, and we, 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 the good, the bad, the ugly, we're sharing it. We share it on the show. That's what we're doing now, talking about fly control. They just want to like mm-hmm. put their fingers and go la 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 la. No, nothing's bad with backyard chickens. La 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 la. So it's uh, <laughs> I was sharing with like you know, that's you know, good and great protein for the chickens. I'm not arguing that, but you got to look at some of the downside of that as well. With yeah, yeah. All that well, they're stuff. the okay. same people that that are the naysayers and the the, the doubting Thomases that doubt everything that comes along. That uh, um, you know that a pharmaceutical or a chemical company uh, puts out, um, and in some cases, rightfully so. I think you need to uh, you know find a a balance uh, on 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 what you. Uh, you know what you read. I mean, I, I read voraciously a lot of uh, technical data, and I don't believe every bit of everything I, I, I read. Uh, some things don't make any sense to me, and I, I put them, you know, on the sideline and try to investigate them further. Um, and I don't like to poo-poo something right off the bat, uh, but I also do like to have, uh, you know, uh, information. I'll give you an example. You know, the, the, we all know what's coming down the road here. Dramatic changes. Uh, ra- uh, Raising poultry uh, after the first of January 2017 is going to get a hell of a lot more expensive, like it or not, and um, uh, going to become much more difficult for the average Joe to raise healthy birds, uh, irregardless um, uh, of what uh, you know what people think. Uh, it's nice to live in a utopian world. I would love that, but we don't, uh, and it's not not going to uh, uh, you know it's not going to to happen. But um, this idea uh, of raising uh, birds uh, with absolutely no antibiotics, uh, sure, it can be done. Uh, sure, it is done. Uh, and there are some places where it is being done on a large scale, and it will be done eventually on larger scale all around. But people aren't being told uh, about the mortality that's associated with that. That mortality will... will uh, uh, and it's not nice mortality. It's not like birds just drop dead, okay? It's agonizing-type mortality, and that, that goes for backyard people. Look, for every person that's told me about they never had a problem with their chickens, I'll show you a 100 that have, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, it's just that a lot of people want to live that, what they believe to be that clean life, that everything's hunky-dory, and, and you know, like I said, I'd like to do that too. 
But the commercial poultry industry now here in the in the states being uh, forced to take a hard look at the antibiotics um, and having to now write scripts after the first of the year for every antibiotic that they use, uh, and also having to having to write uh, veterinary feed directives for any antibiotic that's put in the feed, okay, and be accountable for all of that. Um, and them looking at all of these natural products that come down the road that have no no uh, scientific basis whatsoever, um, and some have damaging effects. If you were to, able to talk to some of these veterinarians, uh, they are quite, quite upset about it. The fact that you know their hands are going to be tied in a lot of directions now that they haven't been before, and the birds are going to be the ones that suffer. And that, and that goes for the backyard crowd as well as it does the commercial uh, people. And um, people people better start looking at things differently. And, and we have here at First State, we've uh, really been on the forefront of a lot of the natural movement. Um, I probably haven't espoused it as much as I probably should because I get tired of trying to sell it. I get, you know, I get tired of people uh, looking at, they're willing to pay, you know, a dollar plus for the little bottle of water at the store, but they won't pay 25 cents for uh, a, a, a uh, additive to put in their chicken's water that is so beneficial for the birds and been proven so. Um, you know, I have some, but you know, more and more people should, but more and more people may have to, you know, whether they like it or not. But um, it's just one of those things. It's it's that phenomena that, that people, you know, I, I have to laugh. People say to me all the time, well, you know, big farmer, yeah, all they want to do is make money. So wait, stop a minute. Stop a minute. Think about what you're saying. You mean to tell me that pharmaceutical companies just on a whim and on a wing and a prayer and a hope that they're going to sell it make all these drugs that we see out there now, both human and animal? So they just make they just make a, a pill for cholesterol, just to use that as an example, because someday somebody may need it? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think I am a little bit of an authority on that. They make it because you need it. They make it because America won't take stock of itself and realize that the foods that it desires to eat are not healthy. And the hardest thing for any human being on the face of the earth to do is to change. Ask me. I know it. Uh-huh. But I did it, you know that's and I do it every, every day, and uh-huh. I don't deviate from it, and that's that's who I am. I realize no, a lot of people can't do what I do, but don't be damn and belittle the people that are making the drugs that are keeping your silly butts alive. Uh-huh. Think about it. Think about all the people with diabetes. Okay, so stop making the insulin tomorrow. Where are you at? You're in trouble. And a lot of people have gotten into that position because of what they eat. Mm-hmm. Hey, Peter, yeah. we're going to take a, our, our second commercial break. We'll come back and we can uh, talk a little bit about um, treatment, what we can do, elimination, things like that, because uh, it's been fascinating so far talking about the uh, uh, flight control and um, causes, like we said when we first started and I was talking about, you know, it could, it, it's, if you have chickens uh, sooner or later, if you haven't already, and you could have the sweetest magazine cover, beautiful goop, and you've got Next thing you know, a fly problem. Maybe not this year, next year, and then maybe not the following year, but last year you had it. So it just comes and goes. So very interesting, learning a lot. Make sure you get that pen and paper and taking lots of notes. We're going to go to our second commercial break, and we'll come back and we'll continue with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. 
But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We'll go into this final segment uh, with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of, and please visit his site, First State Vet Supply. Dot com and uh, we'll wrap it up here with some uh, fly control on the farm uh, topic with uh, Peter Brown. Peter, thanks. Yeah, the you know so at the end of the day, um, the elimination of the source of the uh, uh, you know of of the flies um, and the uh, the juvenile flies, the the uh, the eggs and stuff. That's where it's at. To, to kill them at the source before they you know grow up and to be big flies. <clears throat> Obviously, you you, you know. Uh, if you have a fly problem, um, and you, even if you eliminate the the source um, as much as you can, you're still going to have some flies, you know, hanging around and and, and being annoying. And there are a multitude of things that you can do. Um, everything from running around with a fly swatter and 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 uh, taking care of, uh, of of a few that you can get that way. Uh, I think it's worthy of noting. You know, we talked about you know you can't control what's going on in your neighbor's uh, yard. But um, the source of the fly infestation, uh, going back to talking about the, the pristine versus the the, uh, the the pigsty or sloppy place, uh, can be anywhere from you know 1,500 to 3,000 feet away. So it doesn't have to be right in your general vicinity. They're just coming to your place to set up shop again and find food and, and that kind of stuff. So um, it isn't always you. So. 
Um, there are a, a lot of things you can do. Permethrin sprayed on the walls uh, of the coop and allowed to dry uh, becomes a, uh, a methodology for, for, uh, for killing flies. Uh, it is effective uh, as the flies land on it. It's still active even though it's dry. Uh, and as they uh, use their uh, uh, their legs and stuff to uh, to um, uh, put in their mouth and whatever, they transfer the insecticide to themselves and they, they end up dead. Um, there are uh, different types of uh, fly sticky fly type papers that you can get. Um, there are some available with an attractant or a furanome uh, uh, impregnated to them. Some have uh, a sweet, sugary-based uh, material uh, that is impregnated into the, the fly strip or paper. Uh, so I would advise getting something like that, uh, you know, that will um, attract them to it and uh, hold them in place. And that's one method of, of getting rid of them. Uh, we've used those as well as... Uh, um, one that comes in a roll, and you just roll it and tack it up on the side of the wall, and, and they're good. The object with them is to keep them clean. Don't wait until every inch of it is covered with a fly before you <laughs> before you uh, replace it with something uh, clean and, and, and for them to, to go to. Um, there are different uh, types of uh, fly traps that have a, a, a pheromone uh, uh, liquid in the bottom that attracts the flies to go in through the cone at the top and they then they can't get out. Um, so there are a number of, of different uh, methodologies uh, to do it, but you know uh, more for control would be to remove the source. Uh, any dead birds, broken eggs, uh, uh, moisture that's uh, allowed to, uh, to, uh, to build up and certainly if it's getting around uh, spilled feed, uh, and that kind of thing. So you want to try to dry that up and clean it up as, as quick as you can. And sometimes just ordinary garden pulverized type lime will work to help uh, uh, take care of the moisture part of it. Um, you know, as the temperatures change to cooler temperatures, you know, the flies become easier to catch. Uh, they slow down uh, and that kind of thing. But in, I can tell you, in, in the heat of the day, they'll be out there. They'll be looking for some place to do their 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 deal, and uh, it. You know, uh, so cleaning up uh, droppings, maybe for the amount of birds that you have, maybe more than one time a day. I'll tell you what's worked for us um, is that feed pan in the morning, cleaning up around it, uh, taking a small, uh, the small kid's plastic rake and raking up around it and taking that and putting it on a shovel, however much is spilled there, and taking it right down to the dirt and getting rid of it has gone a long way to uh, making sure, you know, that you... Uh, don't attract more flies than than you need. Um, don't allow the uh, droppings in your in your uh, in your coop itself uh, to accumulate. Uh, I know uh, um, some people use dropping boards and and that kind of stuff. We've chosen to uh, to let it just drop on the floor and and into some uh, a very light amount of shavings, just enough to keep it from sticking to the floor so that you can go around and, and, and clean up those. And that's become another uh, effective way of, of doing it for us, too, uh, making sure that on a uh, daily basis, uh, at least, uh, that the cat litter box be cleaned out and that kind of stuff instead of letting it go more than a day, you know, two days or something like that. Because we have, we have, like I said, we have four cats, and some elect to use the box, some don't. Some go out and bury it outside, and, that, and that's fine. But uh, keeping the area uh, as clean as possible, uh, if you have um, uh, drainage ditches around in, in your neighborhood, which we do, uh, and I technically really don't have any control over those at all because uh, none of them are on my property, um, but if they do come close to your property or run through your property, you know, getting all the muck and junk and, and dead debris out uh, not only will do wonders for keeping the flies down, uh, it will also uh, keep... Uh, uh, bacteria and stuff from growing into rotting vegetation that may be in those ditches that your birds may have access to. Uh, Andy, you alluded to earlier in the show that about uh, Bridget's going to be doing some things about, uh, you know, uh, things that can be harmful to your birds and so on. And I'm, I'm sure that that'll more than likely come up. If it doesn't, it should. But rotting vegetation can can be a, a source of uh, of uh, a lot of different uh, bacteria, especially uh, Pseudomonas. And uh, and it, it is one of the hardest uh, to cure. So minimize your your uh, your places 
of, of sources of, of flies as best that you can. Uh, and again, uh, uh, you can only do what you can do uh, for what's in, in your yard. Can't control your neighbor. Uh, the uh, uh, permethrin products are good uh, for uh, control. Uh, fly traps, fly baits. Uh, uh, I'll mention one that's really good as a fly bait, and you can put it in a controlled area uh, to uh, to um, if you make yourself a um, you can make it a quarter inch uh, um, uh, wire cloth, and it just needs to be a a, a square box that has uh, four all four sides, uh, five sides actually, top and, and the four sides. Uh, open with this uh, quarter-inch uh, wire. You can put it right out in the middle of your of your yard, and in that area under it, you can put the uh, golden mallow and fly bait, and the flies will go through that right down to it, and they'll and they'll end up dying there. Um, you know, the fly tapes, fly papers, and and those kinds of things uh, can go a, um, a a long way to uh, to taking care of it. There are predator uh, wasps and things that you can buy. But they're not going to take care of the adults. They generally go after the the larva and the pupa uh, of the uh, of the flies, and and they'll kill them there. And that's that's another source, of, you know, for you to uh, take care of, uh, you know, the the fly at its source and get it before it becomes uh, an adult, um, and that kind of thing. There are natural substances you can mix together. I've never tried any of them, um, but um, I've seen and read articles where people used um, um, lemongrass. Uh, there's others that have used um, cloves, and, and uh, uh, there was another one with. Um, let me see, what was it? Apple cider vinegar always makes its way into the conversation somewhere along the line. But um, with eucalyptus oils, uh, some of those mixtures, uh, some with witch hazel. Um, doesn't matter to me. Whatever you find that works for you uh, is is what I would I would go with. Uh, I think you can make a simple trap uh, with a bottle with a, uh, a lid on it that has a uh, a funnel down through it, and you can put sugar water in the bottom of it, and uh, um, they will go to it. And uh, so you can go and buy the regular. Uh, um, different uh, fly traps that, that are readily available. And they, and they do work. You know, I mean, they, they do work. They use a, a very powerful uh, pheromone to uh, to attract the flies in, and it's a one-way deal. The flies go in, but they don't come back out. Um, one of the other ones that I used uh, with success, uh, it's a, it comes as a powder in a one-quart uh, spray bottle. You add water to it and make it into a liquid, and uh, it's called quick bait. What I liked about it was that um, you know you could spray it almost anywhere, and it has an attractant in it. In it, and uh, so I sprayed it uh, in circles. Um, doesn't matter what the size is, up uh, close to the uh, to the uh, roof line inside the coop, uh, in several different areas, and it attracts the flies to it. They get on it, gets on them, and uh, and they 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 die. And I, that's made by Bear. And I did check with the company about it, and the the people at Bear felt that. There would not be enough uh, of the product transferred to the flies should the birds eat them, even if they ate a significant amount of the flies, to uh, uh, to have any uh, uh, detrimental effect on the birds uh, at all. So uh, that's pretty much it, and it's it's really up to you. And it comes back down to a management uh, situation. One thing I do want to say uh, before I leave here is that this is a method of spreading coccidiosis as well. Back in with the advent of the uh, modern uh, commercial egg-laying complexes, uh, it was always thought that they would never have any problems with coccidiosis because of the fact that the birds never uh, get on dirt. They're in a cage, the droppings go in the, in the bottom of the building, and uh, so be it. But they found out that there were a lot of issues uh, that were spread by the flies, coccidiosis being one of them. So, um, you know, flies, you know, they're nasty. Uh, they... they uh, spread a lot of different diseases around both animal and human. Uh, they make a mess of the place. Uh, if you've had a, anybody that's been around a place where there's been a lot of flies, the uh, little fly specks left all over the place uh, are unsightly. But uh, they do also attract them too. So it it, it makes other flies uh, you know come to you. 
um, I think some things to take away from it is the amount of eggs that one one uh, one fly can uh, can, can produce. Uh, um, you know, <clears throat> one fly producing a thousand plus eggs is is quite a bit, and uh, it doesn't take long for them to uh, uh, you know within within 48 hours of of a fly uh, hatching out, it starts you know the egg laying process. So it's pretty quick. So it doesn't take long for a a uh, a uh, fly population to to get out of control and, and, and then become a problem to get it under control. So uh, I think those are the few things that I would take away from it. And, 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 if, and again, it, it can be for anywhere from, you know, 1,500 feet to 3,000 feet away from your facility. So it, it makes it uh, 3,000 feet a long, long ways away. <laughs> yes, so, it uh, is. That's, uh, over half a mile, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, five thousand two hundred eighty feet being a mile, so it's 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 over half a mile away. So that's great. But um, hey, man, great great topic, a very seasonal topic for now. Happen any time of the year, and great information you're not going to get anywhere else, folks. So, Peter, thank you for coming on, sharing your experience and your knowledge with all of our listeners. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you back um, next time. We appreciate it, bud. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Great, thank you. We want to make sure you go and visit. FirstStateVetSupply.com. Again, that's FirstStateVetSupply.com. They don't have it. You don't need it. Anything you'd ever need uh, and things that you don't know you need that you need there uh, at his store. And and the cool thing about First State is that if you order somewhere else, there you go. Here it is. Uh, With with, uh, Peter, he actually includes instructions, whether it's, you know, you need to mix this powder in 4 million gallons. Well, guess what? He's going to tell you how to mix it in one gallon and give you the dose and how often to give it. And and it's it's all for your chickens. So you get a lot of benefit from ordering from there, so we appreciate you. And, uh, hey, that's going to wrap up another great show here, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Compot Feeds. Thank you very much for tuning in. This Thursday, I've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD. She's going to be here talking all about things that can make your chicken sick. Uh, it's going to be a whole gamut of things, I'm sure, from poisonous plants to different insects and bugs, and, uh, maybe moldy food, um, insects that could be found in your food because it's set at the dealer too long. You never know. So uh, I'm anxious to, to uh, get that show going here this Thursday. Thank you very much, Peter, for joining us, and thank you. Our homeschoolers, our over-the-road truck drivers, people that listen to the live show, people that listen to the archive show, thank you so much, thousands of you, keeping the show on the air year after year. This is our eighth or ninth year of broadcasting, over a 1,000 episodes. We love you, and we'll see you this Thursday, 2 p.m., right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless, everybody.